Good morning. Turn to your neighbor and check their pulse. <laughs> Just say it's good to be sitting next to a, an alive, enthusiastic, faith-filled, generous, loving, full of the Holy Ghost human being. And if you're not there yet, well, we'll see, um, we'll see you at the end of the service. There's an opportunity for that. Hey, wonderful to be at church uh, with you today. And there was just one little thing I want to tag on the end of the notices. Obviously, we prayed for Jeff and Julie. I had an awesome conversation with Jeff about their plans for this year and how he's um, empowering leaders over the year yesterday. And um, so we're talking about this because we actually uh, we took up a, an expansion offering last week, which was like, woo! We got about $30, uh, $33,000, I think, given and pledged, which is awesome so far. So we need about thirty five to get over the line for all of our, our missional, local, international focuses, and then an extra 65000 to get the building done. Yeah, easy. So if you haven't looked at one of those pledge cards yet on your seat, just grab that out, have a look at it, ask Jesus, and um, see if the Holy Spirit's asking you to partner with the vision and mission of this church family. So good. Yeah, so I'm one of those people today that Deb mentions that have a, a sore toe, a big toe injury. Um, and so I've got a little bit of a hobble on this morning. Uh, I, I actually dropped a large piece of wood on it about two months ago. And it went really, it made a crunch sound actually. And then it went really like, you know how they kind of go purple and black and all that because they want to fall off. Uh, and then Aisha actually saw my toe one day and she was like, Dad, I can sort that out for you. And so she said, I've got some uh, skin-coloured nail polish. <laughs> and so I was like, well, okay, I won't, you know, I'll let you roll with your vision, honey. And so she just took my shoe off and then just painted. I'm thinking she's painting my toenail with a skin-coloured... And I didn't really think she painted all my toenails. I was like, well, that's okay. I was doing something else, actually. And I looked down and everything is bright pink. <laughs> so... And I say that because I'm also baptising some people today and I'm going to have some, have my shoes off, so that's just a warning, all right? That big toe was one ugly sucker. I hope the plaster stays on. <laughs> oh, let's pray. Hmm, Jesus, we just, um, we honestly, we're just here in the, in the fullness of our self today. We're just here because we need to be here. We want to be here. We've made ourselves... Someone asked us to come here. I don't know. We're here for so many different reasons, but we're fully present in the room today. We just ask, Holy Ghost, we ask that your word would be magnified in our hearts. We ask that you would speak to us prophetically about our destiny today. We ask that you would strengthen our faith and our courage and our hope. We ask that you'd change us today and that we would never be the same again. We thank you for divine appointments and divine relationships in this church family. And we pray, Lord, that you would, you would uh, turn our hearts and our eyes to the people that we need around us. Lord, you'd, just, you'd strengthen bonds, God, and create new leaders and, and, and like, let there be new life groups. Let there be life formed in this place. Let there be new salvation, God. Lord, we need you and we can't do church without the power of your spirit, without your word. God, without us, without our lives laid down to you and to one to another. We're not here just to attend today. We're here to be fully present. 
And so we just thank you today for your awesome kindness to us. We thank you for your grace being sufficient to us today. And we honour you and bless you. And let's just give him one more shout of praise. Let's just put our hands together and praise him. He is the king. He's the king. And we want to just, we want to keep him in that place. So last week I actually started a, um, a two, possibly three week series now on faith. And uh, actually in a couple of weeks time, I'm actually preaching in Whangarei next week. But in two weeks time, I'm preaching again. But Katie Husband's going to be sharing a part of the, um, of the, the service and the, that uh, speaking moment. She is actually really prophetic and is carrying a real word for this house. So we want to give that opportunity. be an exciting Sunday to be a part of. So, you know, when we look back on the faith story uh, in the Bible, we, we can't help but stumble across uh, Abram or Abraham as he became and Sarah. And this incredible promise that God spoke to them. Uh, you know, we saw, I don't know if you saw the stars on the, on the screen earlier today. And, and, and God took them outside. He took Abraham outside one day and he said, hey, look at the stars. Get that picture in your head. Get that image in your mind because actually that's going to be like your descendants. They're going to be a massive. It's going to be numerous. You're going you're gonna to actually become a great nation. This, what, you, what, what is happening through you and your obedience to this call I want to place on your life is going to change the world. And so this happened, you know, thousands of years ago. And, and Abram and, and Sarai, you know, that was before they became Abraham and Sarah. They, they, they were the first missionary pioneers in the Bible. They went out, they left everything. They left home, they left their comfort zone. Uh, they left, you know, whatever they needed to leave behind their family, I guess as well. And they went into, a, into the promised land. And uh, they became, you know, real pioneers that we can aspire to. And, and Paul even, you know, as I said last week, he brings Abraham and Sarah into the New Testament. And he's like, they're the fathers and mothers of our faith. Yeah. We can't ignore the fact that they were, we're a part of their inheritance. And we're called to step into this faith liturgy, this faith legacy, and establish everything that God is preparing us for through our lives as we follow Him. And I was watching uh, uh, Madagascar actually on Friday night with Josiah. It's kind of like a little movie night where everyone else is off at youth and we, and so he wanted to watch Mag Madagascar. And, and it's a scene of the animals in the zoo in New York, right? Do you, you guys know the movie? And they, they go to the wild and, and, um, and Marty is... Marty's, uh, they've finished the day, Alex is pumped, the show's all about him, he's, you know, and, and Marty just, he, he's, he's struggling. He's struggling in that cage, he's struggling in that box, and he gets onto the treadmill again, and he's just kind of like watching this picture of what the wild looks like. <laughs> he's just looking at this picture of where he isn't. And as I was watching it and thinking about it, I just, you know, I just thought, man, how, how easy it is for us to have this idea of the wild but not be living in the wild. And today, what I guess I'm saying through that is that faith calls us to the wild. Faith, faith calls us out of the box into the truest, the truest expression of who we are. And Marty wasn't, he wasn't in that. He was, I just, I'm born for adventure. 
And so he did what he needed to do to get out of that box. And uh, I want to call someone today who feels like they're just on the treadmill. We've actually got a treadmill at home. I never use it. I just got to be down the river running. (laughs) I got to be out there. And God is calling us as Christians to have a faith that is alive. That's expressive. That's active. No matter where we're going through. And I guess today I want to just maybe just kind of encourage you, provoke you, annoy you. I want to do what I can to see you move. Because the Word of God calls us to move. Faith without uh, without works is actually dead. That's what the Bible says. Last week, we just briefly, we looked at this, um, this, this word for Abram. And God said, you shall be called Abraham. And he renamed Abram to Abraham. And, and that, that renaming meant three things, really. It was that he became, you know, the fa- an exalted father to the father of nations. But really, for, in that, that God has the last word on your identity. Here's the last say about your future and your call and where you're at. Number two, the word H or the letter H, it's actually pronounced hey, actually, in uh, Hebrew, it's, it's the, the same word for grace. We need God's grace in our lives. All of us need God's, God's grace to be able to step into our call. And then lastly, the, the, the H represents the breath and the spirit of God, the ha. The breath of God. We all need the breath of God. I read this or something like this over the week. I think it said Christmas shows us that God is is with us. Easter reveals that Christ is for us. And Pentecost displays the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, the breath of God in us. With us, for us, and within us. So I want to speak into the language of faith today. And if you have faith, that's great. I want to encourage you. If you don't have much faith, I want to stir you today. And I want to give you a a bit to consider this morning. I want to jump to this key scripture first. And this is Paul recounting Abraham in his letter to the church of Rome in Romans 4 verse 17. It says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. That's Abraham. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Faith is supernatural. We can't, we can't like, you know, make it happen with our flesh. Faith is a supernatural deposit from the presence and the spirit of God. And no one's disqualified from that. Once we've, received his grace. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, in his faith, <laughs> he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, 
being fully persuaded. Turn to your neighbor and say, fully persuaded. Being fully persuaded that God had the power, that God had the power. It's one thing for us to be fully persuaded, but we still need need God to have the power to do all that he had promised. So my message today is, is called Becoming Fully Persuaded. Or the, the King James versions, it says, or fully convinced. And being fully persuaded or fully convinced is actually a significant part of our maturity as believers. And, and Christianity ultimately is, it's not just about being a nice person, although I like nice people. I hope you're sitting next to a nice person. I hope you're sitting next to someone who's kind of like reproducing some of the fruit of the spirit. And you're like, oh, that's a, yeah, I'm going to, that's great. Like character's great too. Character is very, very, very important. But becoming ultimately mature in Christ demands that our faith would become fully persuaded in him also. When I was uh, 32, I told this story last week, and I want to just give it a little bit of a, in a nutshell again. I was, tw- I was 32 years old, I was sitting over there, um, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, hey, you're called to lead a church. And I, my mind was blown. In fact, that moment was as significant for me and as powerful, or the experience felt as real for me as my salvation moment. Like I could just, it was that like night and day. Night and day. God had just dropped something in my heart. Night and day. And it changed so much in me and it created potential. I started seeing myself in a different way and, and I was like, wow, this is, I'm, I'm becoming excited about this and like probably most of you are not going to get that excited about being a pastor like this is real <laughs> and that's and that's okay but some will but we're all called we all have appointments we all we're all called to minister in the marketplace and our families and bring the kingdom into every every sphere you don't come to church for the kingdom you are the kingdom that goes to the world right so but this is my story and I've got the microphone so I was I was here and I was having my little kind of moment, and God's doing something. And then, you know, the first year goes on. I'm like, yeah, God, when are we going to go? What's, what's happening with this call? And I started feeling like, okay, God said something to me. What do I do with this now? And I, I had all this like, ambition coming to the surface, and I'm like, honey, by 2010, if nothing's happened, we're going to go to the Gold Coast and we're going to plant on the GC. It's like, we're going to have a church in Australia. This is 2010. I had some pastors who knew, kind of knew the call in my life. They'll come to me and say, you just need to step out in faith. You just got to, you just got to move. You just got to step out. And... But I knew in my heart that I had to really trust the spirit of God's timing. I had to follow him, like, you know, the Israelites in the desert, they followed the cloud by day, the fire by night. I'm like, I'm just, I want the peace of God to lead me in this. And so what I, what I had to do, actually, was for the next seven years, trust in him. 
You know, great faith is built on the shoulders of quiet trust. (laughs) And I had to just outwork this trust in God that he had this promise that he had given me in his hands for me still. See, Jesus said these words, many are called, but few are chosen in, in Matthew 22, it's verse 14, if you want to look it up. And the context of that statement is that, that Jesus is telling a parable about a wedding feast. And this is the phrase, the paraphrased version. And, and the, the host is of the wedding feast is sent out lots of invitations. And he's like, i got some specific people that I want at my party. Got, I'm going to send them out. They're going to have seals on the envelopes. And he sent all these invitations out, but then a ton of people didn't turn up. And they made excuses. They were playing on the Nintendos or something was going on. And, and they didn't prioritize the summons of the, of the host of this wedding. And so the hosts invite other people and they're like, you guys come instead. I'm calling you to be a part of this celebration. And heaps of people turn up, but some people don't turn up in the right gear. They're not wearing the right clothes and they're not wearing wedding clothes. And so they're they're actually not permitted to stay in the room either. See, many are called and few are chosen. I want to tell someone today, when God calls you, it's, it's because you haven't arrived yet. It's <laughs> a big thought. Yeah. He's calling you because you're not there. And he wants you to be somewhere, but you haven't actually, you haven't actually got there yet. Yeah. And if I was to ask you know, someone down the back row there, Maybe Tim, you know, stand up, you don't have to. But if I say, hey, Tim, hey, Tim, calling you to come up the front, come on. Come on, Tim, and I have to be like, oh, I've got to, you know, make my way. I've got to take some time to get up to the front. It's not often when God calls us that we're just immediately teleported into a new, into the office of what we're chosen to be done or to do. <laughs> good England, Glenn. There is a process when you have the call for us to engage in to get to a place where we're chosen for our assignment. And, you know, as we and how we respond to the call can determine our chosenness. That's how I read the scripture. So the big question I really think today is, is how do we stay engaged? Because most of you guys are engaged in a faith journey to become fully convinced that we need to be in the room with the groom. <laughs> We're going to zoom, zoom, zoom around the room, room. Zoom, zoom around the room. Praise the Lord. Somebody. Got to zoom around the room and praise the Lord. <laughs> Where the gates are open wide, I'm going to... Sorry. It's not a seeker-sensitive moment. That was just weird, but that's an old Christian hoedown song. Next week, Kerry's going to do the dance and the... (laughs) All right, let's get back on this one. If we want to become fully persuaded in our faith, there's three questions I think we need to ask ourselves, and we're going to go over those as we bring this into a landing today. 
Number one, have I counted the cost of the call? Number two, what do I need to believe? Number three, what is the vision God is calling me towards? Number one, have I counted the cost of the call? Am I willing, am I prepared to embrace the cost to follow Jesus? After about five years of waiting for me, you know, on this promise I was talking about that I was stewarding, you're going to be a pastor? I was like, what does that mean? Chris Diath was the, the lead pastor at that time, and, and I, was, I was youth pastor here. I'd been serving in youth for about, actually about 14 years uh, by that stage, and, and I'd been pastoring youth for about 12 years, and we actually had a pretty fun youth group going on. It was awesome era in, in youth ministry here at Thrive, and we continue to celebrate youth ministry. And, and I was sitting in a staff meeting one day, this is five years after, I was sitting in a staff meeting, just out there, I've been here a while now, and, uh, and the Holy Spirit says to me, it's time to serve Chris's vision now. It's time to serve Chris's vision now. And I was like, you what? what? I've been doing that, haven't I, Lord? He's like, yeah, nah. Because <laughs> I was pretty excited about my youth vision. I was pretty excited about all the people who were getting saved and how we were discipling them. and It was, it was happening and, and the Holy Spirit said, hey, it's time to serve Chris's vision now. And I knew in that moment, he was saying, let your youth ministry go. It's just, there's nothing, I just couldn't describe it. I don't know how, but he said... He said those words, but he was saying, let that other thing go. Let it, let it go. That's not yours. Your sole role here is to serve another man's vision. Center yourself on serving, not your vision. <laughs> this is something I've learned before God, and this is something I've observed as well. Before God entrusts us with whatever vision, call, influence, purpose that he has or he's going to place on our lives, be very sure of this. He is going to be watching how we steward and serve what is not ours. He's going to be watching what's done in secret, He's going to be watching how we give honor to someone else, even if they make a silly decision. He's watching how we speak about people, especially when they're not in the room. He's very interested in this stuff. It's really important because God is watching us and he's watching how we will protect Others, how we will guard others, how we will look after others until we will represent what love looks like in the context of being a servant to another. You know, this year's theme, we've um, talked about it a wee bit, it's cross. cross of Christ and 
This was um, this an amazing verse that antagonizes me and calls me up and frustrates me and it's a ground zero verse for me really when it comes to my faith. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live, or the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, the measure of how much we want to walk out the expression of great faith in our lives, that is Christ's purposes, his power, his glory, his freedom, the influence of the kingdom, is held, I believe, in the measure or in the same measure that we are prepared to allow our flesh to die, to no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In counting the cost of the call, we are we're coming into a totally different world worldview. Eh? This is not how this is not how the world lives. This is a back to front kingdom where Jesus said, "The first will be last, and the last will be first. It's better to give than to receive." So when I'm struggling, when I'm wrestling through my issues, my insecurities, maybe jealousy, my entitlement mindset, my, you know, all that, still the grief of life and of the self, of the flesh, and maybe I'm having a bad day, I have to bring all this stuff back into the reconciliate. I've got to reconcile this stuff with the fact that this stuff has to die. This stuff is, I've got to lay this attitude down because this attitude should no longer live if Christ lives in me. Yeah. And I, I think that is the realest place for our faith to exist at, right? Yeah, like just at that level of, our, of what's going on in our head and our hearts. Like we could be doing, looking great, doing great stuff, earning the monies, awesome family, all the, good, all the bells and whistles. We've got, the, the, you know, we've got all the property. But if we can't reconcile our flesh with Jesus, all that other stuff's a bit fake. Yeah. I know that's a bit of a heavy word, eh? <laughs> Let's just have a prayer moment right now. Just between you and God. Just close your eyes. Just Jesus... We want to let our mask down, our Sunday happy face down. We want to just surrender to you. We give you what we're struggling with at the moment. Even if I'm com com uncomfortable being in the room, we just give this to you. Jesus, we just thank you that it's a privilege to no longer live, but for you to live in us. In the life that we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. It's awesome we're baptizing some people today. And, you know, one of the pictures of baptism is actually death. So of going down into the water of our 
old life dying and our resurrected life, uh, the resurrection that we have in Christ Jesus coming up out of the water with everything washed clean. Such a beautiful picture. Deb, I forgot to set my timer. I've got no idea how long I've got. Five minutes, thank you. <laughs> what shall I do? Hebrews 11.6 But without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he will reward, he is the rewarder of all those who diligently seek him. Two things about faith. One, it's impossible to please God without it. Two, he's a rewarder of those who diligently, earnestly, sincerely seek him with it. I just want to ask the room, what's your faith goal? Where are you heading? What are you believing for in your marriage? What's the Holy Spirit calling you towards this year? Where are you going in life? By faith. Here's some thoughts. Is it the, the betterment of your own mental health, emotional health, recovery from trauma? You know, that's really important. That is an important faith goal. If someone's in that space today, I don't want to discount that. It, perhaps you've got a faith goal to be in business, to make millions for the kingdom. Perhaps you've got a faith goal of a property, a house. A new job or career, you've got, you desire children, you want to be a better husband or wife or a better parent. You want to become a spiritual leader. You want to grow in the gifts and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You, maybe you want to be a minister. Maybe you're excited about evangelism. You know, those things don't fall off the grid of what faith looks like. It's not super spiritual out there kind of, you know, like it's, it is spiritual. And it is super. But actually, faith brings things that are not into the natural realm. Yeah. Healing. That's something we're believing for as a church. We, believe, we want to see the full expression of healing. Romans 4. I want to recap this. Abraham was strengthened in his faith, giving glory to God, believing that he would do all that he had promised. You know, there was a process for Abraham of becoming strengthened. Abraham became stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger in his faith until he became, what, fully persuaded. He became fully persuaded because initially he wasn't. <laughs> The second question to ask today, we're not going to get to number three. If we want to become fully persuaded in our faith is what do I need to believe and what wrong beliefs do I need to let go of? You know, as Abraham and Sarah journeyed into the, into the promised land, they were strengthened in their faith. They were strength, and maybe you're in a place that I just I want to be strengthened in my faith today. They were strengthened in such a way that they didn't waver in unbelief, because unbelief is a massive thing that is just trying to buffer us 
in the journey of life and draw us out of our faith. But they were strengthened in their faith. Abraham and Sarah, they went on a belief journey. That's where I'm going, all right? That's where we need to start is our belief journey. And one of the biggest lies that the enemy is going to tell you in the context of your faith is this, that I'm not enough, I'm not doing enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not spiritual enough, I don't love God enough, I'm not courageous enough, I don't have a good enough family. You know, like it's just those little slights that he's just going to like fire shots, flaming arrows, Ephesians says. (laughs) What are we given? The shield of faith (laughs) and the armour of God. Abraham and Sarah became fully persuaded, fully convinced in their faith, not by focusing on what they didn't have, on who they weren't, not by magnifying the doubt and the double-mindedness and the guilt and the shame and the negative comparison and nothing, nothing of that will bring you into a place of being fully persuaded, fully convinced of who you are in Christ. I wonder if we just all stand right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just close our eyes and just... Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We just thank you for that prayer in Ephesians that we would be strengthened in our faith. We thank you for stronger and stronger faith in this place today. We thank you that it says in Ephesians 2 that it's by grace through faith that we are saved. And it's not from ourselves the gift of God. So we thank you for the gifts that you give to your children today, God. We thank you for the calls that are in this room, the summons from the groom. This is Jesus saying, hey, come to the wedding. Come to the wedding. I'm calling you. I'm calling you to become chosen. I'm calling you. And there's some people here today who just need to embrace that call again. And you've been looking at what you're not and you need to start looking at who Christ is in you. Colossians says that Christ in you is the hope of glory. It's time to to set your face like flint for someone. Like Jesus went to Jerusalem. He's like, he set his place like flint to that call. Maybe there's someone here today, you've been struggling in temptation. You've been struggling with temptation and relationships and what you've been watching 
And God is calling you out of that. His Word says there is no temptation that sees you except for what's common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. If you've been tempted with dark thoughts, suicide even, and hopelessness, and this word that this is the end of the road, that is not true today. This is not the end of the road. This is just the beginning of the journey. And He's calling you. He's calling you. He's calling you out. He's calling you out of your comfort zone. He's calling you into the wild, raw expression of what faith is. To not just attend church, to not just attend life, but to live in the fullness of And I just, I think there's some people here that just need to respond to the call this morning. If you know that you just need to respond to the call again, you just need to front up and say, I'm called. If you need to just respond to that, I just want to invite you to come to the altar right now and just say, yep, I am called. You just, it's, this is good for you. This is good for your mental, emotional health. This is good for your journey. There's someone here today that says, yes, yes, I'm called. I am called. What the heck, devil? You've been robbing me. What the heck, self? I've been robbing myself. (laughs) I'm called, and I'm not just saying I'm called into ministry in the church sense, but I am called to bring the kingdom into my family. I'm called to bring the kingdom into my high school. I am called to bring the kingdom into my workplace. I'm called to have a voice of leadership and influence. I'm called to serve. Maybe you're just someone here today and you're like, dang it, I know I'm called to serve in this season. You want to do the stuff in your heart that's more, but God's saying, actually, no, this is, a, this is a season for you to be hidden and to live a hidden life well. Maybe that's your call to respond to this morning.